Hello and welcome to Rigori, the Italian football podcast that's currently taking bets on the next player to be caught up in the scandal. Uh, I'm Marco Rinaldi. And I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi. Yeah, um, obviously we've got a lot to cover in this episode since we've we've been away for uh, a week during the international break, which we will touch on as well. But, you know, I think the story that has been... Um, in the headlines all the time, essentially, since we were last on, what is what I touched on there, which is the the gambling scandal that threatens to destroy Italy's future, essentially, because all the young players seem to be caught up in it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, just very briefly, everyone will know about it, that, that Tonali, Zaniolo, Fagioli uh, are, are three of the players that have been caught up in this scandal about... Uh, illegal gambling. Fagioli's admitted that Tonali admitted gambling on games with Milan when he was in Milan uh, at Milan. Uh, Zaniolo at the moment is denying that he bet on football at all. But yeah, it, it's been extremely disruptive for Italy, but also potentially for the whole game in in Italy as well. Yeah, I mean it's really obviously with these scenes when two of them were in the Italy camp when they were kind of laid away as as part of this, you know, Zaniolo and Tonali. As you say, there are different shades of gambling, really, I suppose. I mean, it it brings up a lot of issues. I think think some people want to use it as a stick to to draw back to kind of the Calciopoli and then to the older ones will remember the sort of Toto Nero betting scandal. These were different things in that, you know, there's no insinuation that matches were fixed um, to, to an outcome. But, you know, as I say, we do have different shades of, I mean, it appears from the outside looking in that Fagioli is just addicted to gambling. I mean, he's certainly that. He's going to get some kind of therapy for that. We can only hope, you know, a promising young player can only hope that he comes through that. It seems that he's just fallen into a bad habit and obviously that does reduce your sentence if you take the therapy option as well so you know he's one case Tonali we've seen close to tears I mean obviously that is going to have repercussions as well for Newcastle and you know financially yeah. I think if you signed a player who then can't play I don't know where they presumably seek some kind of compensation if he does get you know he looks like he's facing the biggest ban of the names mentioned so far and then as you say Zaniolo as Zaniolo would, I think, because we know his character has denied it entirely, which, is, you know, it seems like it's potentially true that he did not bet on football, that he he says I only bet on blackjack or something, and on, but on these illegal sites, which then obviously that's, you know, there's an issue there with where does the money go from illegal gambling sites. And, you yeah. know, and the, the, the other issue is, I suppose, as a lot of people have pointed out, how much money did these young players need you know I, I think it's a dangerous combination I guess young young men with a lot of time on their hands and a lot of money and you know the temptation is going to be there especially if you fall in with potentially you know the wrong crowd um, and are badly advised that seems to be the case I mean the way in which it's come out is peculiar yeah, this sort exactly, of yeah. super grass figure that, that keeps you know throwing up a name Every few every few days, there, there's an issue there, and there, there's also an issue. I think a wider issue for football and just how we deal it. Because it's, uh, I mean, I don't think 
it will be only Italian players who have bet on, you know, have bet on games. I mean, I think it's fairly widespread in, in football. And, and, you know, football takes sponsorship from legal gambling companies, although, you know, some of these companies do seem to be quite questionable. They, they're set up out of nothing. You know, they, they put a string of numbers together and call themselves 17935.com and put together a huge sponsorship deal, apparently, for football yeah. clubs. You know, and that, that jumping into bed with, with the gambling companies, then, you know, it's a bit difficult to then take the moral high ground and see why are these why are these people gambling when you've got it plastered all, yeah, over, uh, their, all over their shirts. I mean, I, I saw... Um just a few months ago actually before the scandal broke there was a video of Neymar he was doing a twitch stream or something he was gambling at roulette and he lost a million euros in like 10 minutes and you know he was like upset but as you say they get so much money especially Neymar now <laughs> given his contract in Saudi Arabia he, he they don't care it's nothing to them but so it, it's almost like it's not I don't think these players are doing it to win the money necessarily. It's more they're, yeah, they, they're bored. They're introduced to it. They like the fun, the the sort of you know risk of gambling or whatever, and then they get drawn in that way. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's a huge problem, as you say. I, I suspect it isn't only these Ita- Italian players that are doing it. I know uh, Tony in 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 England got got done for it as well uh, last season. Um, but there'll probably be a lot more than that. But it is a massive issue. And, yeah, you would think that the first step would be to avoid, you know, to, to ban the, the the betting companies from being sponsors of football as well. Yeah, as I say, I mean, although these are illegal companies, yeah, I think that's it's, it's been a different, yeah, the, different the issues. Yeah. But still just the same, you know, the temptation, legal or illegal, is there. It draws these players in. And then, you know, that is a hammer blow to the to the Italy squad, as unfortunately we saw during the week that, that that it's not a you know it's not a great Italy side now. It can ill afford these players. There may be more names come out as well, and you know and that that could you know potentially. I, I don't know. It seems that the the hints that are being given is that it's more second string players, less, you know, that he's named the most illustrious names. And then I see some players having to come out and sort of, you know, d- yeah. deny rumours. It's not even, you know, they're, they're not been charged with anything. I mean, that's, uh, I, I think the biggest thing for me is that it's dealt with quickly because mm-hmm. the, the trouble with Italy is that we know these things can drag on Forever, you know, and and let's let's if this guy is going to name names and let him name I names know. now, he somebody should, should sit him down. To, exactly, it should be made to tell people what he actually knows, and then that should be investigated rather than sort of break, you know, him using it to maximise his his followers and presumably yeah. the money that he's making out yeah, of the, sponsor. The, 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 as I say, this drip feed, yeah. this drip feed of things. I mean, I don't, another case is unrelated to this entirely, but raised my eyebrows was Papu Gomez getting banned yeah. for drugs as well. How, but it was a year ago. So what, what kind of, I mean, we know that in Spain they notoriously seem to turn a blind eye to this, but how could it possibly take, the guy played at the World Cup, he played in the 
Europe. He played in La Liga, and then he he kicks the he ball twice. The yeah, he, uh, Monza, he, kicks, sorry, he kicks the ball twice for Monza, and he's banned for yeah. two years. You know, yeah. so I mean, I feel sorry for. I mean, I don't know. Monza seemed to know that this was going on in the background, but why on earth? Did that take so long? And as I yeah. say, this this guy should be sat down. Name your names. Let's get on with it. And you know, and you know, nobody's saying you know because there is a there's an issue of credibility of football. I mean, regardless of you know, obviously, if it's a case that they've not been betting on games, that's that's one thing. But the boys that have been betting on games. I mean, unfortunately, especially if your own team is involved. But even if not, I think you've got insider knowledge. Obviously, that nobody else has. There's an issue with that, and there's also. I think even though you can kind of, I think, reconcile yourself to it in your head to say, well, it was only, you know, a bet on the first throw-in or something, you know, you can see. But it still materially changes the pattern of a game. And I think that it, it, it's a slippery slope if you if you start betting on, on one thing, as we saw in cricket with the, the no balls. Yeah, and, exactly, you know, it, yeah, it just yeah. it skews it, it skews a game. And so to be betting, especially when your own team's involved, whether it's to win or to lose, I think, but I, I do find it funny though that in Italy, you know, it's taken so seriously and it almost seems more of a laughing matter in Britain at times. And although, as you see, even Tony, they, they did come down pretty hard on him, but there's been a lot of cases in the past where it's almost been like, you know, yeah. well, oh, Letizia what, 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 mentioned it in his auto, yeah. autobiography. Yeah. He'd kicked yeah. the ball out for a shy or yeah. long because he knew his friends had bet on it or something, ah, something yeah. like that. You yeah. Know? You know, so, so, yeah, it, it, there's, yeah. It's something that I suspect has always gone on at some level, but when you do find it, like you say, especially if you're betting on actual football matches, then there it has to be addressed. But I, like you, just hope that it's it's dealt with quickly so it doesn't disrupt, you know, football for for that long. Because and I suppose it's a good time to move on to the next topic, which is the international team, because. They they had a decent performance against the lowly Malta, um, you know, but it was encouraging in parts in terms of how they played, I think, and stuff. But uh, against England, obviously, it came unstuck, took the lead, but then were pretty much outclassed in the second half, unfortunately. Um, and I think, you know, my conclusion out of that those games is that we're just not... Italy just aren't good enough to play with anything less than their best 11 against the best teams at, at the, the moment. The, and and the trouble is we don't, you know, our best players tend to either be injured or suspended or something like that. So it's very difficult for us to, to get consistency. I would think the best thing for Spalletti to try and do now, I do think there is, there are very promising young players coming through, and provided that they haven't been betting as well. Um is to sort of just say, right, I'm going to try and build a team for the World Cup and just concentrate on trying to do that. Still, obviously, I hope they qualify for the Euros, but use that as an experience to to lead on to better things in the future, I think, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just, I, I think, you know, I think we should address any accusations that we're cowardly in not speaking about <laughs> the Italian national team, which I have seen some places on social media, but here we are, here we are doing, you know, we could have just moved on quickly, but here we are reopening those wounds. Yeah, as you say, Malta, I actually didn't think it was a great performance, but there's some lovely goals in it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, I mean, obviously from my own point of view, Bonaventura, um, an absolute beauty, but even you know Berardi, there were there were some there was some nice goals in it without being a, an overly convincing performance, um, but a good result. And then, as you say, against England, I actually thought 
when they equalised, you know, if I was an England fan, I'd be a bit concerned with the way they played immediately after that. Um, that Italy did create some chance, and there was a sort of brief spell before half time when there was confidence, and they could have added to their added mm-hmm. to their goal tally and maybe gone ahead. You're right. The second half, there was just, I mean, uh, Jude Bellingham's in the form of his life. I think he, you know he's he's a great player, and he knows he's a great player, you know, and so that, that was and I think also opposition players are scared of him as well you mm-hmm. know, so they kind of almost back off him or run away from him or you know, they've just got that aura about him just now in this kind of golden spell how long that goes on for, I don't know but certainly at this moment, you know Italy don't have a player anywhere near like him and that, we, we, I think we mentioned this before the, the international break that that team has changed enormously from the team that won the Euros. There was yeah. about, I think there were six maybe of the 16 that played the final against England were in um, the, the squad for for that game. And it, it shows, you know, it's, it's a generational change. I mean, for a variety of reasons, some have, some have left the country, some were injured um, and some had their issues with, with, with gambling, as we see. Although I don't think none of them were part of the setup no. back then, to be fair. Um, but, but you're right, you know, we've seen, I think, encouraging signs that, all the youth levels, yeah. really. So, you know, then you have to look to, to build on that and bring through these boys as, as quickly as you can, especially if you're going to be facing a sort of lengthy... I mean, I did see um, uh, uh, something saying, you know, Tonali, farewell to the Euros. <laughs> I mean, it was, that was perhaps a bit optimistic, assuming <laughs> Italy can, can okay. get there. Although I believe I believe there's even the the fallback route of playoffs there if they is, don't yeah. make uh-huh. the top two. So, yeah. you know, they, they would need to be really, really bad not to get there. But, you know, they, they did show signs they of being able to, <laughs> yeah, being able of achieving that level of performance, I think, which is, which is a worry. Because, you know, I just say, you know, we saw there, you know, you think uh, uh, whatever, you know, they were at the end of their career, but a Bonucci Chiellini back mm-hmm. to 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 Scalvini Bastoni. And I, I like both of those players, but they are an experienced Scalvini in particular, as it, you know, and I think he's a nice, nice player, but he did get shown up a bit in that in that game. And the whole team really, I think you, you had that midfield, that Verratti Jorginho kind of axis yeah. that was so confident on the ball and it they were great at just playing that ball out from the back. You knew you could give it to Verratti and he kind of had it in his pocket and then he'd pop it out to a runner, Chiesa, probably, mm. Insigne. You know, I mean, again, more and more names that we don't have at our disposal now. So, you know, there is a huge change in Barella, really the last man standing of that midfield. And I didn't think, you know, I didn't think some of the boys that came in and played midfield didn't do badly, but it's just that... The, the England press at times was asphyxiating and as I say, the hallmark of the Euro victory was kind of being able to cope with that and play out from it and, you know, take take the initiative in these games. Whereas, uh, you know, in that game, uh, there was maybe 20 minutes when Italy took the initiative, but the rest of it was largely England. And, you know, honestly, I think I've suffered enough talking about it, so maybe we should move on to another subject. Yeah, we will move (laughs) on now. So uh, it's not going to be much of a better subject because we're recording this on Sunday evening, so we always address the the Sunday evening game, but which on paper was a big one, Milan against Juve, but um, it wasn't the greatest of games. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, I think you don't tune in to Juventus expecting a great performance. The, the game swung on a red card, that is the bottom line. I mean, it was 
it was kind of a not a monologue, but certainly you know it went to a script that almost all Italian football watchers would have expected by now. Milan were at home, were trying to um, take the initiative, trying to press on. Juventus were happy to sit in and play on the break and look look dangerous on the break. And you know Malik Chow then made the perhaps dubious decision of thinking, feeling he had to hold down Moish Kane when he was clean through on goal. You know, I mean, many of us would suspect that um, he, he might not have, he might not have done that much damage, or certainly, you know, even if he had scored, perhaps one nil down, eleven against eleven was a better option. I don't think even the most ardent uh, Rossonero could have much to say about the the red card. I did see Fikayo Tomori trying to claim he was. He was the last man, but he was about twenty yards behind <laughs> Joe when he carried out the the foul. So you know that that really swung the game. But even then, I, I thought at that moment uh, Juventus did have pressure at the end of the first half. But it was almost in the second half as if they thought, "What are we meant to do? Are we meant to attack now because we've got a man advantage?" And they really didn't look like they had that many ideas. But a deflected shot from, of course, Locatelli, ex Milan player, past the very unfortunate. Antonio Mirante and goals, making his first appearance for two years at 40 years old, had a great game, made some great saves, but the uh, deflection off, I think, Krunic just left him with no hope. And then, then Milan huffed and puffed, but that was it was Juve's game after that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loving that scenario. Milan having to throw themselves forward with 10 men and could wait and try to hit on the break. To be honest, they didn't do a lot on the break, Juve. Um, but, you know, they did enough. They, they deserved their win. And, I mean, Max Allegri going bananas on the sidelines at full time. That sort of impromptu strip tease. If you haven't seen it, then get yourself on social media. He whips his jacket off. Then he has his tie off and the tie gets stuck around his neck and he has to pull it off and throws it down in disgust. And I don't know. I, I think that was all, to me, that was all pure theatre. I think he's just trying to... Um, get that attitude in his team. And, you know, he has got that attitude in his team because that's something like 15 clean sheets um, in this calendar year, which is uh, as good as anybody in in Serie A. So you know that, you know, that's kind of what it says on the tin. It's not always great to watch. I don't think, you know, I I heard Stefano Pioli saying Juve are the favourites for the Scudetto because they don't have um, European football. I think it would be a sad comment on Serie A if that is the case because looking at that team tonight I mean granted he did leave Chiesa and Vlaovic on the bench but the, you know the starting 11 was was far from breathtaking and yet it may be the case that that is the, the best that there is in Italy I, I still think that Inter have a bit more up their sleeves Napoli potentially seem to be getting back on track and are certainly more attractive to watch but you know, if they can keep grinding out results like that, especially in big games, then they have to be a factor in. And you know that no European football is, I suppose, you know, is a is a big element for them. You know, if they're re- they're fresh and rested, and this is all they've got to concentrate on. And and he is developing a good team spirit there. You know, there's no doubt from the celebrations there at full time that you know they they are they're not they're not going to win any awards for beautiful football. But they will keep they will keep winning. So yeah. you know, I, I see them as a kind of I ask that you know these other teams that want to win the title will have to be better than Juve if they if they want to win because they'll set a they'll set a, 
reasonably high bar for everyone else to to get past and whether they can or whether they can't um, it's not I was just going to quickly mention as I mentioned Allegri there another manager doing his dinger um, today was uh, was he Mourinho his usual antics um, I don't know if you saw it Marco but he was he turned to Palladino and sort of started wiping his eyes as if to see you know you're always talking and then you're always crying he got himself his red card and funnily enough it would be playing against his old team Inter, so he's suspended for that game, which yeah. I think might be the same thing he did last season as well, yeah. I believe. So, you know, he clearly doesn't fancy going back to the San Siro as um, as opposition manager. It was typical Mourinho history. I felt sorry for uh, Monza in that game because, you know, I thought they gave a pretty good account of themselves, especially with they were also down to 10 men. And, I mean, I don't know. D'Ambrosio got sent off... They were two fouls, undoubtedly, but the ironic thing was that they were the only two yellow cards in the in the first half, and he got both of them. And I think that was where, as always in Italy, you know, you feel a bit well. Did the big team kind of get the get the the, the favours? But they'd actually sat and they actually caused quite a few problems to Roma, even with, but. But Roma found a way to get it done the same way as Juve did, really, I suppose, while Sharawi scoring, you know. And they've picked themselves back up and moving up the table, as are City rivals, Lazio, you know, and they may well they may well keep keep coming up the table. But I just, I, I'm not a big fan of the histrionical manager on the sidelines. I mean, if it's genuine, then fair enough. But I just, I think a lot of the times it's stage time, yeah. stage managed and, yeah. you know, to get a certain outcome or whatever, as I say. And certainly for Mourinho, it would appear that he didn't fancy going back to going back to the San Siro. As I mean, he'll be there, but, you know, he didn't fancy sitting on the bench as opposition manager. And so, you know, there we go. He won't be. Yeah. And uh, before we delve into Serie B so that I can have a good rant, um, the I did want to touch on the, the the battle at the bottom of the table between Salernitana and Cagliari. It looked like um, Cagliari might get their first win of the season, uh, having taken the lead and then taken the lead again with two minutes left uh, of normal time. But Salernitana got a penalty in the ninety sixth minute or something and managed to equalise. So uh, you know Ranieri still still looking for that first win, and it's starting. I mean. <laughs> I'm looking at the table just now and there are quite a few teams that don't have a lot of points so I suppose everything is absolutely recoverable from this point of view but performance wise I, I you know it was a game that didn't do either of those teams much much good I think that was a, that was going to be it, it had the look of a relegation six point or even this early in the season I mean the super people effect perhaps coming in it so but yeah, yeah it felt like a game that did neither of them any particular favors you know as, as I say that you're right that there, there is a body of teams down there that you know that gives them hope still I think because the, the, the haves and have nots the, the gap appears to be quite yeah. big so we, we could get you know at least four or five teams that are potential relegation material but I just I a, a point from these games. I think when you're playing somebody that you know is almost certainly going to be a rival, you want to you want to get the win. And I mean, I you know wish only well to to Ranieri at at, at Cagliari, but I think it's going to be a right hard job to um to to turn this around and and keep them full. But then you know, as always with these things, be careful. What you know who who comes in and 
transforms them. Sometimes yeah. it sometimes it does work, um, but but often it often it doesn't. And and time will tell whether um, you know we've we've spoken before about Inzaghi and and his kind of style. You know whether that's the answer. For Salernitana as well, I, I don't know, but you know, yeah, it, it's funny how often that happens. Really, in, in Serie, I think when teams are struggling, you know, they they do end up somehow with a draw. It's like as if it's almost like, uh, uh you know, the, the least worst scenario yeah. for the pair of them or something. You know, it's, it's but but good entertainment, you know. And as I say, we you know we always root for the underdog, so hope they can one of them can manage to string together. I know you've no great love for Salernitana, but you know, so we hope we hope Cagliari at least can can get a, get a win on the board in the not too distant future. But not if it comes at Fiorentina's expense in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as ever, we'll, we'll take a look at, at Serie B and in particular Venezia. Um, I tweeted after the game today, so it was uh, Regina Venezia. Regina won one nil. I tweeted after the game today that it, it it's taken a you know I I don't generally get angry at football these days in the way that I used to when I was younger, but that game made me furious. You, you, you made an exception. Yeah, you made an exception for this one. It was yeah. It, it, I, look, at the end of the day, we didn't do well enough to 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 score a goal and, and beat them. And in fact, Boy and Paolo missed a penalty, which is. I think one of his weaknesses, because he has missed a few penalties for us, and I'm not sure he should be on the penalties, but it was a terrible, terrible refereeing performance. Um, he sent off Zampano for a second yellow for shouting at him, you know, which, okay, maybe it was a stupid thing for Zampano to do, but at the same time, I don't think he, he wasn't like in his face doing it or anything like that. And then Chernogoy, our old player, went in, at hip height at Poyampalo already booked, didn't get booked. And then Portanova, who I don't think I think it's an absolute disgrace that he's got a game anywhere given his criminal record. But um it, he kicked Sverko off the ball and he uh, he was already booked. He didn't he stayed on the pitch as well. I mean the referee gave us a penalty in the first half and it was like in the second half he decided that he needed to even things up by not giving us any decisions and giving every decision to them and they were a, it was just a frustrating game because they were a mediocre team they are a mediocre team I think Gondo up front is a good player he scored a nice goal but apart from that there we should not be losing to a team like that and it, it, we had our chances as well and it was just a very frustrating afternoon especially after beating Parma in the last game you know so um, yeah, it, it was a game that 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 did nothing except ruin my Sunday evening. I have to say. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I I didn't see it, but I I, I take your point. I think the the most annoying thing is the inconsistencies of mm-hmm. refereeing. Really, you know, when you get games like that, especially if a team maybe knows that you know uh, it's not a secret now that Venezia are in good form or a good team, or, you know, one of the strongest sides in Serie B. So. Everybody that's playing them, uh, you know, other than their fellow kind of top top level, yeah. teams, so your your Parmas, your Palermo, whatever, are probably going to come and try and sit and frustrate and annoy and you know and and niggle or whatever. And referees often seem to fall for it that you, you know they don't give the you know there's no equality of of decisions and that that isn't that's infuriating as a 
you know, as a viewer, I'm, I'm fully preparing myself. I mean, I'm sitting here pretty because Fiorentina don't play till Monday night, so and and still on the high of of meeting Napoli. But you know, long term Fiorentina supporters know that they're perfectly capable of messing up against Empoli in the Tuscan derby, and then probably bulging up against Kukariki or however <laughs> it should be pronounced in uh, uh, on Thursday night. You know, but I, even tonight, I thought there was. You know moments where you think, well, why, why is that a yellow card, and yeah. yet you know that isn't. There seem to be no kind of equality of judgment, and that you know that is frustrating. And you know, see, and I hate, I hate, I do hate moan. I know I do it a lot, but I do hate moaning about the ref because it is. It comes across as like sour grapes, and you know, and I suppose a bit of it maybe is, but. Um, like I say, we weren't good enough to score a goal at the end of the day, so that's our fault. But it is—it's the—it's the complete inconsistency of decision that that frustrates you and makes you angry. And I, th- I you know, I've said it many times before in the podcast. I think the standard refereeing, particularly in Serie B, is atrocious. And this was just another performance to add to that, add to that pile. Unfortunately, uh, it, yeah, and, and it often seems to reward. Teams that you know do come. To sp- I, I didn't see so. You know, mm-hmm. Apologies to Regina if this wasn't the case. But on uh, numerous to them. numerous games, <laughs> numerous games where I see Fiorentina play teams that that come to spoil and frustrate, and it's almost like the referee rewards that. And as you say, then you know somebody can boot someone up in the air, and it will be a talking to, and then you. You know, after you've been booted up in the air, you'll get up and say, "You know, what the hell, ref?" And he'll book you for that. Yeah. You know, and it, those kind of things that just drive me daft because I think, you know, we want football to be a beautiful game. We want our, you know, exciting players to express themselves. And in Sebed, a lot of the time, it feels like the referee's more intent on booking people for talking back or taking yeah. their sh- taking their shirt off than they are for you know kicking someone up in the air when they're clean through on goal or whatever. But that rant over. Um, and and you know because your probably, rant's over, I'm going to continue. Well, no, I was going to say you probably need to go and lie in a darkened room and take your medication. I would imagine because I mean, if you're still pissed off at this this number of hours after after the game's over, then it's probably going to last a bit longer. I would suspect. Exactly, exactly. So I better bring the podcast to an end here, otherwise it will just be a rat. It will go on forever. Um, but yeah, we will be back obviously next week when hopefully I will have calmed down. Uh, with more we'll hear about Fiorentina's uh, result tomorrow as well Uh, and yeah so if you enjoyed the podcast as ever please tell your friends uh, download it subscribe follow uh, like it favorite it give us good ratings all of those sorts of things because those always help the podcast but otherwise we will speak to you next week yeah back next week